Stories Radio. This is Session 71. I'm Mike. I'm Fritz. And I'm Trish. Well, Fritz, what a week we had last week, huh? Oh, With my goodness. Dr. Coming Brenda off Kelly. the Dr. Brenda Kelly show, and and uh, this week is uh, no exception, man. It's a kind of a power pack twofer. Oh, my goodness. Another pastor two weeks in a row, and uh, oh, my goodness. We We didn't know anything about Brenda too much, but we know somewhat about Vic. So. Yeah, Vic is Vic is family. No yeah. doubt about yeah, it. We Pastor Vic. Uh-huh. We have been um honored to be on their show twice now. Um Pastor Johnny and Pastor Vic's show. Vision Radio Program. The Vision Radio Program. Vision. And, and uh Vic was just telling us off mic, you know, about some of the new things that are going on in their world. And we're excited. I'll I'll let him speak yep. to a bunch of that, but Praise Jesus. Amen. We're just so glad to have him. You know, uh, he drove all the way over here from Altamont, and uh, he's just blessing us left and right. So uh, what's going on over there, Trish? Got some shout-outs? I sure do. I wanted to give some shout-outs to Switzerland. And yeah. Listeners Switzerland, in, welcome. In Sweden and the Netherlands, my Scandinavian Brothers and sisters, that's why we did that. Thanks for listening. (laughs) (laughs) And we have a couple more likes on Facebook: Kathleen Sandall, and also Tabitha Boston Broadway. Thanks for liking us, and thanks Thanks, for listening. Thanks, guys. We appreciate the likes, and and uh, hopefully you're listening and following us on Twitter at God Stories Radio. Right. Mm -hmm. You can tweet us, yes, and Facebook. Mm -hmm. You can like us on Facebook. Yes, you can. Facebook.com. We would love it. God Stories yes. Radio. And I'd also ask to join us in prayer as we are uh, asking God for a home for God Stories Radio. So please join us in that. Yes. Searching for a new home. It's needed. And God knows it is needed. Yes. It's time. It is time. It is time. That it is. So, so Fritz, how about introducing our special guest tonight? Man, I can't wait. I am so excited about Introducing our next guest, uh, Pastor Vic, like I said before, comes to us uh, courtesy of the Vision Radio program, and uh, I'll let him give the information on the church, but I know they got big things going on over there. We just love this brother. He just comes over here and just pours his heart out to us and and encourages us and, and loves us and prays for us, and we do the same, and I'm just excited that, as he would say, that the God is speeding things up and is combining ministries to just uh, take hold and take ground faster than ever before. And I'm just really excited to present to you Pastor Vic. Wow. Thanks. Thank you, Pastor Vic. Uh, no, I'm, I'm, Thanks for it's coming. It's an honor brother. for me to be here. This is exciting. Amen. Uh, <laughs> driving over here from uh, from the Orlando area, it was a little dark, and I was like, oh, where am I going? But, <laughs> it but was I made a little it daunting. Yes. <laughs> but I made it. <laughs> and um, and so here I am. Thanks very much for having me here. Thanks, for, Thanks, for, Thanks coming. for coming. Absolutely. This is probably a few months a little late, but yeah. Well, it's in his timing. But it's in his timing. Yeah, it is. yeah. I I I I believe that um, I believe that God's always on time. Oh yeah. Amen. Even when we think it's late, mm-hmm. sometimes right. He likes to have things stew a little bit longer. <laughs> 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 you know, just so that. Uh, so that it gets the right flavor. Ah, like the fine wine, right? Stew. Like the fine wine that we were talking about earlier. That's right. Yes, yes, and how that works. So, 
Uh, but yeah, um, it's like I said, it's, for me, it's a blessing to be here with all of you. You Thank guys, to you. me, are family. So, well, we can't wait to hear what you have to say. Well, and I hope those someone's out there mm-hmm. get it as well. Well, you know what? For me, everybody has a particular date or time that they remember their um, their encounter mm-hmm. with Jesus Christ. I don't have that, like most people do, because quite frankly. For me, I always had a love for God. Uh, our family, and I know Pastor Johnny brought his his testimony, so obviously, just like I'm his brother, so just like him, we were born in a, in a family where our father originally was training for the priesthood. Then, then he, he met, met my mom. My mom was gorgeous and still gorgeous, and he said, okay, I'm not cut out to be a priest. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> not so much. But, uh, but Pop was always really good at... Uh, at bringing God to us. Mm. And there was always a reference both from my mother and my father. And I took to it just very naturally. For me, growing up Catholic and going to Mass, I would sit there and I would stare at all the statues of of Jesus and and all of the the stained glass and the, the, the various paintings. And for me, the stations of the cross. And that... Something about that always resonated inside of me. And uh, for me, I, uh, I just, I always knew that I loved it. I have my earliest recollection um, that I can tell you a time frame for was in first grade. We went out for recess to the you know, playground, and I'm actually hanging on on some monkey bars. <laughs> and if I close my eyes now, I can still see it because I can still, I can still see three, uh, three little girls. Uh, one, her back was to me and the other two were looking at her and pointing fingers at, at her and talking to her uh, quite rough. Uh, I remember them calling her a Jesus killer. And then the little girl who was standing there with her back to me turned around and said, uh, and said to them, well, Jesus was Jewish. And the girls were like, uh-uh. I could still hear him. uh-uh. No, they weren't. No, he wasn't. Uh-uh. She goes, yes, Jesus was Jewish. They were making fun of her because she was Jewish. So when she said the words, Jesus was Jewish, I said, wow. I, w- w- you know what I felt? And I could still feel the same way. I said, I said that I must be Jewish. That's what exactly, and I went to her when the, uh, we were called in, the other two girls went running inside, and I went to walk in with her, and I told her, I said, I'm Jewish. She goes, oh yeah, what synagogue do you go to? And I was like, ah. Oh. And then the teacher called me over for something, and I was let off the hook. But I still have that feeling in my heart that when she said that Jesus was Jewish, I immediately wanted to connect with him, felt that I connected with him, and told her that I must be Jewish. Look at that, mm-hmm. and that's that was in first grade, and for for me, my uh, my grand uh, my grandmother's, uh, especially my uh, paternal grandmother, uh, saw that about me. Well, stop and think. She had a son who was going to be a priest, and now he's not a priest anymore. Not going to be a priest, and then he has a son also with the same name. She brings me this old Bible storybook. And she gives it to me. Now, the outside, it was thick with yellow pages, and the outside was beige, but it had all this uh, elaborate artwork 
of the outside. And throughout, it also had artwork, you know, various uh, uh, paintings of different situations throughout the Bible, so on and so forth, were in this Bible story book. And uh, I remember looking at the copyright date. It was copyright 1949. And she gave me this book. And she said, here, because I know that you like stories about God and about Jesus, so I'm going to give you this because I know you're going to take care of it. So I read that cover to cover over and over and over again and became very, very familiar with all the stories. I was just always like that. So that when we... My grandparents moved here to Orlando, Florida, and here in Orlando, Florida, they met uh, Pastor Eddie Martinez, who was uh, uh, an evangelical pastor. He actually was an Assembly of God uh, pastor, uh, and he was just getting started. And so what he did was he would give a service at, uh, at a Bible study for Catholics, and tell them about Jesus. So that's how my grandfather and grandmother met him because they were going to this little uh, Catholic uh, Bible study. And now he was bringing the Bible study because the priests didn't really, they, you know, they, they, they felt that they couldn't bring the Bible to people who were not learned and things of that nature. So he volunteered and they let him, <laughs> which was, you know, just very unheard of. But, uh, <laughs> you know, to make that story short, that's how my grandparents got to know the message of Jesus Christ and salvation. Uh, my aunt and them gave their lives to Christ. And then my grandfather offered his home uh, to Pastor Martinez to bring Bible studies there also. Uh, my aunt and my grandparents then were very evangelistic in that aspect. And Now, my grandfather was a very old-school patriarch, okay? Tall, strong man with a deep voice who was very well-respected. And uh, so when he converted, okay, because that's the way it was looked at, when he converted, he's like, everybody has to convert. So he called the family together. Now, my grandfather, if he said, you're going to come to my house, you had to go. <laughs> there was no ifs, ands, or buts. You did not come up with an excuse. You went. So when he had a Bible study, he said everybody had to go. And so everybody went, and that's how we got our, uh, our, our dose of Jesus. Now, for me, uh, I, came, uh, I came before my parents. Uh, Pastor Johnny, my brother Johnny, was already here. And my father was just about uh, closing on the home in New Jersey. And so they sent me down. What was that for? My grandfather came up on a Friday and then told me I needed to pack my stuff because I was going to go with him. I'm like, I'm 16 and a half years old. I said, my life is going great. I have a girlfriend. I was studying martial arts. I was, uh, I was in conversational French, so I won a French award. And I, I was going to go to Paris that year free because I won the French award. So, you know, I had everything going for me, and I wanted to be a doctor because I always wanted to heal people, so I wanted to be a doctor. And uh, my grandfather grabbed me by my ear, and he said, you're going to shut up, and you're going to come with me to Florida. Stop being disrespectful. <laughs> so I grudgingly came with him, and, uh, but it, it turned out good because, uh, you know, those Bible studies were happening there, and that caught my attention. And... Uh, when they did an altar call, I didn't answer to the first altar call because I thought to myself, well, why do I need to give my life to Jesus? I already did. That's how I felt. Mm. I felt like I already did, so why do I need to do that? That's the worst position anybody could be in either. I mean, also, as well. 
and uh, it uh, it was probably about three months or so later. Now here, my experience was different because here, when the pastor was beginning to speak about the Holy Spirit, something was going on inside of me, and I felt like I was like on fire. I literally felt like, why am I so hot? I'm sweating. I feel like I got a fever. That's exactly how I felt. I got baptized in the Holy Spirit, and then afterwards, the pastor, uh, Martinez, came over and said, do you accept Jesus as your Savior? I'm like, of course. Of course. You know, because he had to say, they they had to get the words out of you. You know how that is. But that experience I had right then and there, and here I am, 16 and a half years old, filled with the Holy Spirit. And now, now things, all the things that I had been reading started to make more sense. Uh, that same grandmother that I told you about, my paternal grandmother then, she turned around and she gave me my first King James Bible, leather-bound, large print, my name inside of it, the whole bit. I absorbed that thing. But it's funny because I'm going through the Bible reading and I'm always questioning. Well, Lord, what do you, what do you mean by this? They're teaching me this, but something about that's not right. What about this? What about this? What about this? And it, I've always been that way. Yep, I always wanted him to clarify for me the things that men were telling me. So I naturally rejected what I felt in my spirit that wasn't exactly that way. Mm-hmm. And those things that were, I accepted them wholeheartedly. And uh, I would love to tell you that, oh, there you go. I was such a saint after that. But, you know, <laughs> I, I, you know I, I was still a kid. Uh, I was still angry. Uh, I got married when I was 18 years old to my high school girlfriend, and uh, that was an act of rebellion on my part, you mm-hmm. know, and on her part, though, she really loved me. She wanted to get married, and God bless her, you know, we, we got married, and we got married, and then a few years later, we, we got divorced, and uh, we were kids. You know, we had, we then, we, we didn't get married because she was pregnant or anything of that nature, quite frankly. She got pregnant on the exit of our marriage, and then we stuck around together a little bit longer. But it just didn't—it just didn't work out. But we got a beautiful son out of the whole deal. Funny story. All my life, the moment I heard the name Joshua, and I think I was about 13 years old when I first really heard that name, I said, "I'm going to name my son Joshua." Now, I come from a family. My grandfather's name is Victor. My father's name is Victor. Of course, my name's Victor. Well, now I have my own my own son, my firstborn. So I named him Joshua Victor Diaz. His name is Joshua. And uh, I just, I, I found out what it meant. Mm-hmm. You know, Jehovah saves. And uh, it's kind of funny because if you break everything down, check this out. I did an extensive study of my last name. I wanted to find out where did my family come from. And so through that, uh, it was years of it. And I came to, I, I, I got all the way through and the name Diaz, specifically also with a Z, uh, is that we're, we're Sephardic Jews. And so the name Diaz, the Hebrew uh, equivalent of the name Diaz is son of Judah. That's what it means. The Hebrew equivalent of that last name is son of Judah. I named him Joshua, Jehovah saves. His middle name is Victor, which is the conqueror. That's what the name means. Mm-hmm. And then Diaz, the Hebrew version of it, is son of Judah. So his name is Jehovah saves the conqueror, son of Judah. That's from God. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And he's very powerful. He actually received the he received the baptism of the Holy Spirit at 13 years of age, 
talking with some, uh, he was going to a, um, uh, one of the local Christian schools. Uh, actually, it was a faith assembly. And uh, him and other kids in his class were all outside. There was a group of them. There were about 12 of them or so. And they were in a tree, uh, under a tree in the back during break. And somebody started talking about the Holy Spirit. So from there, they all got into a discussion. Do you know that the Holy Spirit fell upon each and every one of them without any adults there to bring it on? The adults found them all standing out there crying, speaking in tongues, every wow. single one of them at 13. So needless to say, um, the Holy Spirit uh, uh, has been very, very influential uh, in my life. And even during my time uh, through my 20s, just to go figure out, hey, where am I supposed to be in this world? I left here and went up to North Carolina for a while. And from there, went up the eastern seaboard, ended up in Pennsylvania. We had uh, me, my wife, and seven children. My youngest son, Isaac, was just born, got out of the hospital. She came home, and she already knew what was going on. Um, I had been out of work for a long time, could not for the life of me find any kind of work. Well, we did not know where we were going to go. But you know what? God is, uh, he's, again, he's always, he's always good. He's yeah. always faithful. Uh, what ended up happening is, is that we slept. We were able to get a U-Haul. Somebody, somebody got a U-Haul for us. We packed all of our things in a U-Haul. We went and stayed at a church for a week. And a family opened up their home to us, and they took their four-bedroom, two-bath, split-plan home, and they moved themselves over to one side of the house and left the other side of the house for us for us to live there with them. And we, yes, for nine of us oh, with wow. a newborn. But it was amazing, amazing family. We're still friends till today. They are, uh, they're Messianic Jews. So for me, it was a wonderful experience because I was like, ooh, Torah and, mm -hmm. and, uh, and I just, I'm a chameleon, so if uh, I'll, I'll be whoever. If there was no pork or none of this, no, no problem. That, for me, that was not a big deal. So, okay, so we're not going to church on Sunday. We're going to go to synagogue on Saturday. Not a problem. I don't have a problem with that at all. But yes, but six weeks later, six weeks later, we recuperated in six weeks, found a, ho found a job, found a home, and moved in and went about our, our business. But, you know, you look at those uh, circumstances, Okay, and people say, oh, my God, what a terrible break. What an awful thing to go through. But, you know, we have a very thriving homeless feeding ministry now today. And so as I was telling you what we were uh, before we started recording, you know, that uh, I like to go to the laundromat at nighttime. And I, uh, I, now that it's cold, I run into homeless people all the time. So we stop and we talk. And uh, I've given people some change. and I've brought them food. And we just sit and talk about Jesus. You know, but not the religious, ooh, let me go ahead and set this whole thing up for a salvation thing. Because I run into people who like, yeah, I did give my life to Jesus, but, you know, I had this happen. Well, he's not mad at you. He never left you. And even though you're in the situation that you're in, he's still there. People feel sometimes like God pulls away from them. But he doesn't do that. It's the other way around. Yeah. And the thing about it is we run, but we never run away from God. Because you know what he does? He runs right behind us. He'll stay quiet, but he'll run right behind us. <laughs> and he won't, we'll run it away. We think we're running away from him. And he, he doesn't leave you. He doesn't. That's how much he loves you. 
So you made a profession of faith to, to Jesus, and then you said, yo, all this Jesus stuff is junk, and I don't want to have anything to do with church and a bunch of hypocrites. I'm going to go out and drink and do drugs and and get together with women and just you know do all kind of stuff I'm not supposed to. You do that, and you think you're running away from God the whole time he's there right with you. He, and the thing is, is it's even more than that. He still engages you during those times. I don't want to say no, but the fact is, is because he knows where we end up, then, he, then what he does is he finds, he makes ways, not finds, he makes ways to encourage us throughout, through that situation. He does. If you have, if you gave your life to God, he never leaves you. He says it. He says, I will never leave you, and I will never forsake you. That's yes. why that whole thing of, oh, you're breaking the heart of God. God's tougher than that. So he knows you. And we think sometimes in human terms, right? But God instead looks at us and says, I have a plan for you. And even though right now you're angry at me, it's okay. I'm strong enough. But I'm not letting go of you because I have a plan for your life. So I will never leave you nor forsake you. Never. For God, never is never. Never is never. So people look at it in terms of, I walked away from God, but it, he doesn't go away that easily. I know. I've had times that I say, okay, you, God, I'm, I'm mad at you. I'm done. I'm done. No more God stuff. I'm going to go forward and live my own life. Now I realize he didn't leave. So during my wild 20s and stuff like that, all the stuff I did, he was there. Whispering in my ear, hey, still love you. Christ God. I'm telling you now because you were too drunk to hear it last night, you know. And it's and it's that way. Fast forward to one of uh, the greatest turning points in my life was when I got my hands on one of the first copies of the book Good Morning Holy Spirit written by Benny Hinn. And I got a hold of that book, and at that particular time, I was looking for what direction do I go from here, Lord? I was working in our in our church. Uh, we, I, I wanted, I knew I needed a minister, but all the positions were t all taken. So I served in however way I could serve, even being an usher or whatever. But I knew that there was a breakthrough for me. So I got that book and I began to read that book. I felt in my spirit that I needed to take some time out to to fast, fast and pray. I've had some really incredible friends that are great men and women of God. So. Uh, Edwin and Sally Santiago were very uh, were evangelists at that time and uh, very close to my parents, and uh, they were helping us in our church at that time, uh, evangelizing things of that nature. And I became very close with them. They said, "Listen, if you want to do that, here's what we'll do: we'll put up, we have a room in our home, we'll have you stay there, and we'll help you with your first fast. And I'm going to do a seven day fast. Sure enough, you know." I went in, and they gave me all the privacy that I needed. And so in this particular case, I'm like, you know what? I'm stuck, and I want to go somewhere else. I want to go higher. There's, there are deeper levels of knowing God, mm -hmm. and I want to know them. In that week, I absorbed that whole book, Good Morning, Holy Spirit. And people can say whatever they want, Betty Hinn, controversy, so on and so forth, whatever you want to say, okay? But that was a turning point for me mm -hmm. because I learned the intimacy with the Holy Spirit. I learned to have an intimate relationship with the Holy Spirit 
And uh, there were amazing revelations. Some of the things that I've shared with you uh, before we started recording came from that period of time where God revealed himself. Because I'm like, I want you to reveal. Holy Spirit, reveal Jesus to me. Reveal the Father to me because I want to know. And the word says that if we ask, mm-hmm. we he's will faithful receive, and right? we will receive. He wants us to know him. He wants us to know who he is, what he's about, how he thinks, and how he moves. Why wouldn't he? My earthly wa- father wanted me to know him. So why wouldn't my heavenly father mm-hmm. want me to know him? See? So Betty Hinn, and and in that time period, shortly after the, I got to meet Betty Hinn, uh, I, I worked at a locale that his... Uh, his mother and his wife went there. They were regular customers. And I got to meet him, and I got to meet his brother, Sammy, and him. me and Sammy became very, very close. It, it changed a lot of things for me. And then in our church, our youth pastor at the time, uh, Pastor Frankie Pickle, I'll go ahead and mention him, because uh, he's a very good friend of mine, a very, very strong man of God. But at that time... Frankie, you know, Frankie fit at that time a particular mode. It was very, I don't, I don't want to use words like legalistic, so on and so forth. It's, it's, it was more like he was very, very strict about this is just like this. And he <laughs> created, you know, he created uh, Jesus in somewhat of a box and that's okay. And I can say all of that now because he's free of that. Man, that man is, <laughs> that man is really powerful now. But you know what? He did have a wonderful zeal for God. But in our church, him and I were on the two different spectrums. I, my hair was long. I had earrings, you know, had some muscles, wore toward jeans all the time, listened to rock music, and praise God, okay? And he was, you know, in the Navy, very conservative, nice, beautiful family, nice, beautiful wife, uh, and brought a, more, a much more conservative viewpoint uh, to our youth. He got a job in the Navy and he, he needed to move away. And so, you know, reluctantly, but he needed to do what he needed to do. He resigned that position in the church, uh, needed now a youth pastor. A couple of people were named. It was a very, very short list. And I was not the popular decision. As a matter of fact, when there was a slight majority vote, one person, (laughs) uh, from the board, there was still controversy, so ultimately, in the end, they said, well, we'll have a meeting with him, and you, everyone can ask him all the questions that they want. So uh, the board members brought me in, and there was one group that was just very, we followed these rules this way. Another group was like a little bit more open-minded to what, what, hear what I had to say. So I was drilled with a lot of things, but thank God that I had that intimate relationship with the Holy Spirit, because when I opened my mouth, all that came out was Holy Spirit words. He'll give them to you. You know those experiences where you see Jesus come up against the Pharisees and they hit him with hard questions and he says one or two words and they don't know what to say? Mm-hmm. Well, I had those kind of moments. From there, then, I then went, now it was official, I'm the youth pastor, and I went to the Holy Spirit and I said, Lord, now I need you to show me what do you want me to do? I don't have a clue, but I know you have a plan. You put me here and you know how I am. So I went to sleep. When I woke up the next morning, I grabbed a notebook because my brain was flooded. And it was, I put together a boot camp. It was a six-week boot camp. And every and the, I came up with a contract. This was all the Holy Spirit. A contract for the, 
for each one of the youth to read and sign and have their parents read and sign also. And what we were going to do was this intensive three times a week for six weeks training on the basic principles of the Bible we were going to cover. Jesus Christ, Holy Spirit, speaking in tongues, miracles, you know, uh, do we lose our salvation? All of those, we were covering stuff that was heavy duty for young people. So uh, sure enough, uh, I had, uh, it was tough. Some of the parents did not want, why do I have to sign a contract? I said, well, because I'm moving forward. I gave you an outline of what I'm teaching, and I need you to sign off that you agree to this. It's just, it's just the right thing to do. Sure enough, the, they did. Some parents did not. Those parents who did not ultimately ended up leaving, leaving our church. And when I first got started, the very first meeting, there was like 12 kids. And then we had a couple others join in after that and a few others. And before you know it, we had like 20 some odd uh, from, from our church. One of the things that we covered, and I'll give you an example, was the whole issue of salvation and how that worked. And it actually caused a little bit of a heated discussion among the youth uh, there. When I say youth, I had people who were like 23, 24, and the youngest was, uh, well, the youngest was 10. I let her in because her sisters were there, and she wanted to be part of it. She was kind of mature enough, so she was in there also. Now, everybody had an opinion of it, so I let everybody speak. Holy Spirit said, go stand by that uh, light switch. I said, sure. I stood by the light switch. I said, okay. Let me see if I can illustrate this for you guys, all right? So you hear the message of Jesus Christ's salvation, and you accept. I shut off the, the lights. They said, and you accept Jesus, right? And they're like, yeah. So I flipped the light on. I'm like, okay, good. So now the light is, is there. You can see, correct? Yes. All right. So now you're going through your life and stuff like that, and then you're at school, and you get mad at somebody, and you say a cuss word. What happens after that? Oh, man, then you got to repent. Oh, so should I shut the light off? Yeah, so I shut the light off. But then what do you do? Oh, later then we ask Jesus for forgiveness. Okay, then I turn the light on. From there, now I start giving them all kinds of scenarios. At one point, I'm just shutting the light on and off, on and off, on and off. Just like that, just flickering it on and off. I said, does that make any kind of sense to you at all? Is salvation so fragile? Was what Jesus did so fragile that you can make a mistake and it makes it go away? Seriously? Mm. And they were like, no. I said, exactly. It's not that way. The fragile part, and it wasn't really fragile, uh, but somebody had to come and do, do that, and Jesus was prepared to take care of doing all of that. It was paid for with precious blood. So because it's precious, you don't just lose it. Do you take it, embrace it? Do you make it something that's the most important thing in your life? Yes. Do you make it first and foremost in your life? Absolutely. But it's not so fragile that it will break. It's not. What Jesus did cannot be broken. It cannot be undone. Salvation is already here for the whole world. Mm -hmm. The whole world The whole world has salvation. They have to accept it. There you go. And once you accept it, he doesn't go away that easy. No. He doesn't let go of his. It was so powerful that it transcended everything everything and if you're there at the sound of my voice and you're saying well but you don't know what i did pastor i don't need to know god does and i'm telling you if you gave your life to him 
He's never left your side. Amen. He is not angry at you at all. Just turn around. Just open your mouth and tell him. And just let it go. Just let it go. So if it's some kind of thing, whether it's drugs or alcoholism or whatever, if that's something that keeps making you trip up, then look for ways to get that out of your life. Because I'm not telling you that that's going to keep you from being saved, but it's going to keep you from being as fruitful as you can be in your life. Then find a way to let go of that. Go to the Word. Stay in the Word because the Word will renew your mind. That's what you need to do. But He has not left your side and He still loves you. So in Jesus' name, I speak to whatever spirit is telling you the contrary. I bind that spirit and I cast it out now in Jesus' name. You have no place in that person's life. Listen, it's simple. Just tell God. Just speak to him like you did, like you were just like I can hear you say. And just if you need to cry, cry, whatever. God doesn't need the tears. He's just there letting you know he still loves you and he's not angry at you. Amen. And what you were saying it brought to mind John ten, twenty eight and twenty nine. It says I give them eternal life, and they shall never perish. No one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all. No one can snatch them out of my Father's hand. There you go. Look at that. How did that scripture escape the people who think that you could just lose it? It's not. His mighty hand, you're held by his mighty hand. Mm. Now tell me who can break that. Oh, but brother, you don't know how powerful the devil is. No. Is he a powerful being when you compare him, if you want to try to compare humanity, right, a human being to a spiritual being? Of course, in that aspect. But you're trying to tell me that he's more powerful than God? No. Mm -hmm. As a matter of fact, what Jesus did on the cross is, is that he overcame death. So death has no power over him. And subsequently, death has no power over us. And how, what, what's stronger, if you're going to think of uh, in this spirit realm versus the physical realm, what's more powerful than death? Because that's the end of everything, correct? <laughs> yeah. Well, for us, uh, yes. It, it's always the beginning of something else. But uh, uh, for us, we walk always in life. All the time. Uh, Pastor Johnny brings up a lot, uh, uh, Proverbs uh, 18.21, about the power of life and death is in our tongue. Mm. Look at what God did in Genesis, right? He spoke everything into existence. Look at what Jesus did in his ministry. Everything he spoke it. How about the tree, the fig tree, that he went over to it? He said, oh, you don't have any fruit. I curse you. You'll never, you'll never bring fruit again. Mm-hmm. And he left. The next day, his disciples marveled because it was withered all the way down to the root. Now, there's something very, very interesting about that uh, particular passage. It takes us again back to Eden. Stop and think about it for a moment. Jesus stops and sees this tree, this fig tree. And that fig tree was not bringing any fruit. And Jesus, before he went to the cross, already told that tree that it will never bring fruit again. And in essence, he was already speaking 
He was already speaking to the tree of the knowledge of good and evil mm -hmm. that it will never bring fruit again because of what he was going to do. Pretty powerful stuff. Right. And when you were talking about uh, Satan and evil and everything else, again, brought up a uh, verse to mind, James 4 and 7, Submit yourselves then to God. Resist the devil, mm -hmm. and he will flee flee from you. Yes. Mm. But, you know, everyone jumps into the resist. They don't put that first part of it. Submit yourself. Submit yourselves then to God. Then to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. And then verse 8, come near to God, mm -hmm. and he will come near to you. That's all together. The submitting part is really, really simple. That's where you just... that. That actually is an act of, you know what, God? I'm just going to drop myself in your hands. That's what it is. Everyone wants to, oh, submit. You know, you take those words. My, uh, my son uh, studies jujitsu, okay? I've gone to some jujitsu classes myself, and the whole thing of submission is to get somebody in a position where they, they can't do anything, so they tap to get out, okay? So sometimes people look at that like, I have to submit. God's grabbing me, and he's looking to pull me into an arm bar, and I gotta, I gotta submit. I'm gonna tap out so that God will be in charge. <laughs> but He's not, He's not manhandling us. In that word, there, submit. He's just really just saying, "Hey, just drop yourself in my arms, relax in me." Mm -hmm. And now, because of that, then you can resist the devil. And you know what? When we resist him, he has to flee. That's what it says. Yeah, because, because within that act of submission, what happens is, is that what bubbles up from inside of us is the power that we have. See, the Holy Spirit comes upon us, and now we have power. We have the same power that Jesus did. And I'm going to say that because out of Jesus' own mouth, he said, he said it himself, that we would do greater things than him. Mm -hmm. because of the fact that he was going to the Father, because it was still limited, he was still here. But he knew, go to the cross, reset salvation for everybody. So it's done. You just have to accept it. Go to the uh, tomb. Keys of death are, are his. He's overcome death. Death doesn't have any power over us anymore. And he goes to the right hand of the Father. And what does he do? He sits. And we're seated in heavenly places with him at the right hand of the Father. Mm. So what happens is here's the Father, and there's one big old chair. Jesus and all the rest of us get to sit there on the right-hand mm -hmm. side. That's who we are. And the, right now, what I have noticed over the years is if I could pinpoint the one weapon that Satan uses the most against us. Condemnation. Thank you. Thank you. Tries to, tries to make us believe we're still under the law. Yeah. And you know what that's all about? It's we lose our spiritual self-esteem, who we are, who we are. Who does God say that we are? Or whose we are. Well, whose we are, yes. So you give your life to Jesus, and you're like, okay, I belong to God. But then who are we that in God? That's also just as important because you have to know who you are in God. You have to know, I am a son. Mm -hmm. I am a daughter of God. That's who I am. And with that, 
when I brought up the scripture about seated at, in, the, in the heavenly realms, we're seated there already. Our seat is there. So all the power and the authority is there and is ours. I always remind people, if you woke up one morning and there's a knock at the door, and when you open the door, there's a, a limousine there, and there are all these people, and there's this man standing there, very well-dressed, and that man is one of the richest, most powerful men in the world, and he's there to let you know that you are his long-lost child and that he has genetic proof of that. And now he's there to just say, hey, listen, I don't have any heirs, and I've been looking for you. And you find out that it's true. What do you do? How do you live? Do you continue to live the meager way that you lived before? Or do you live as a son or daughter of a billionaire? See? Now, if you were raised poor, you have a different mindset, so you may have to overcome that mindset. Because in his house, he has servants, people cook for you, people help you buy your clothes, people drive you around. At first, you might be tempted to want to sit up front with a chauffeur. <laughs> but after a while, you get the idea that you're supposed to be driven. So I'm giving you an analogy that is very, very earthly. How much more, how much more do we have then as sons and daughters of the almighty God? Now people will tell me, oh, but Victor, you know, we have to be humble. I'm like, yeah, I'm humble in the sense that I know I didn't bring this on myself. I can take no credit for my salvation. None. Even my own accepting of the message, I take no credit for. But I'm just saying who God says that I am. So why is it? Is it humility now then that I have to walk around and and I'm not talking about this whole thing being about money, okay? It's about your position. Possess, not possessions. Position. Your position in, in heaven. Who you are. I'm God's son. Just like Jesus, that's why I get to sit next to him also. There's a seat for me at the right hand. So I would be doing God a disservice if I don't stand up and move as he has made me to move in power and in love. So I don't have to walk with my head down. I don't have to walk around and mm -mm. saying, oh, you know, I'm going to be humble and make sure I don't buy something expensive. No, and, I'm, and again, I'm not trying to talk about materialism because some people take everything just too far. Mm -hmm. But I know now that I can speak into the spirit realm and things happen. And that's what God wants me to do. That's, what he, that's why we have Proverbs chapter 18, verse 21, where the power of life and death is in our tongue. Those who eat of it will receive our fruit. Okay, so it depends what kind of fruit do you want. Do you want good fruit or do you want bad fruit? So now... Just like God's who God who turned around and said, let there be light. Let the heavens and the firmaments uh, separate each other. Let every tree come and bear fruit and seed. He does all these things. He spoke these things into existence, and then he made us in his image and likeness. So if I'm in his image and likeness, 
I have 11 children. They're all in my image and likeness. If you meet my children, every single one of them, even though they're different colors, shapes, uh, some are more timid, some are more boisterous, but if you get to spend time with any of them, you'll be like, I just saw Victor in him. Victor, this little girl. I just saw Victor in this big girl. You understand? You will see their father. So why wouldn't you see my father in me? Of course you would. And I walk that way. I walk as a son of the living God because that's who he called me. That's what he called me. So am I greater than God? Say, oh, no, 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 I'm not. I'm going to make myself humble. And, oh, I'm just, I'm just his humble, broken servant. Well, I am his servant, but I'm his son. And I don't, uh, I don't sit there and just eat crumbs. He wants me to mm -hmm. eat meat. He wants me to absorb his word. He wants me to walk uh, as Jesus walked. And if Jesus didn't literally mean that we would do greater things, then why would he say that? Why? Well, it made sense. Jesus said, hey, because right now you got me and I'm here physically. I need to go so I can send the comforter. Now you're going to be filled with the same power I have. Now you can do greater things. And even for us, that resonates to our, our generation. Because obviously, look at we're on the radio. Right now we're reaching way more people than Jesus did in his ministry. Aren't we? 44 countries. See? We're, we're able to do those things now. Mm -hmm. So we are doing greater things. But then with that, let's walk in power, people. You have the power to heal. You have the power to deliver. We have that power. Why wouldn't we? Why wouldn't he give us that power? Why, why, why do we have the Holy Spirit? For what? If we're not to exercise that. So I speak to things, and I tell them that they're not going to be that way. My kids, uh, my kids are funny because... Uh, I was driving with my son, uh, with my son Alex. He had a jujitsu tournament to go to. So we had to go to Tampa for this tournament. And my other son, uh, uh, Antonio, came with us. And uh, as we were leaving Orlando, we ran into a very, very nasty storm. I mean, the sky was black, dark, it was raining sideways, lightning like crazy, wind. And he was getting scared. Oh. He said, Daddy, can you do something about this storm? And I said, Antonio, you, you can put up with the storm because we still need rain. We've gone a few days without rain. Oh, I know, but I'm scared. I said, okay, here's what I'm going to do. We're going to do a compromise. We still need rain. So I'm going to speak to the storm, but I'm going to speak just for it to die down. But I'm not going to tell it to go away because we really need the rain. Will that do? He goes, okay. So I stopped. I looked in the sky. I spoke to it, to the storm, and told it to die down and to let a little bit of light come through, but to just give us quiet rain and no, no lightning or thunder because it was scaring my son. And I spoke to it. I spoke to it, and 10 seconds later, that's exactly what happened. Sun peaked out, still raining. All the dark clouds are gone, but we're getting plenty of rain. My son's looking at me. He goes, wow, you can stop storms. I'm like, yeah, I speak to them. That's not the first time that I've done that. Mm -hmm. it's, and, I've, and I've been exercising that and several other things. You need to exercise it. Exercise your authority that you have over illnesses, diseases, uh, over, several, uh, over all kind of things in our life. Speak to finances and tell them that they're going to line up. 
And one of the things that we, when we talk to finances to people, it's like, okay, good, you can speak finances, but do you know how to handle finances? And a lot of people don't know. They're not good money managers. So mm -hmm. it's like, okay, here's what we're going to do. For you to be pros prosperous money-wise, you need to know how to handle money, right? You need to know the discipline of how to handle money properly. Because you know why we get money? We get money so that we can bring the gospel. That's really what it's for. The as an added benefit that we get to joy, enjoy a nice house and a car and things of that nature. But the reality of it is what finances are for is to move that gospel. That's what it's for. So we can reach everybody else. Yes. And to help those who can't help themselves. Because mm -hmm. Jesus Amen. even turned around and said, hey, the poor you always have with you. Right. Okay. And people don't stand up and do that. They want the government to do it. Well, you know what? It's not the government's job no. to do that. No. No. God blesses us so we can <laughs> bless Amen. others. There you go. It's, it's we our the job. People. Yep. We. And if every something think about it. if every person would take one family or one person to help them, we would have we would have beat this whole poverty thing. Now I understand that some people have a poverty mentality. So maybe they're not going to be a CEO of a com of a company. But you can help that person get a better understanding of who they are and help them to develop a better life. And who they can become. And that's... who they can become, exactly. That's our job to do. And that's one of the most powerful jobs that we can do is to go out, help people. I, I hate to call it a slogan, but it kind of sort of has become that. Uh, Pastor Johnny and I, and I are always telling people, hey, this is simple. Love God and love people. Love God. Love people. Jesus said that. Mm -hmm. So for whoever says, oh, where did he say that? Well, when they challenged them, the uh, Pharisees challenged him and wanted to catch him and uh, trick him. They said, what was the greatest commandment? Jesus said, well, that's simple. I'm paraphrasing it in plain English. Love God with everything that you have. And, he, and then before they can say anything else, and the second one is just like it. It means it has... The same importance. Right. Love your neighbor as you love yourself. Mm-hmm. And both equally important. So we live by love God, love people. If everyone would do that, we wouldn't have any more problems. Here. No. Not at all. Amen. Amen. Wow. Wow. Session 71. <laughs> I just can't say anymore. It just keeps getting better and better. Yeah. Um, if anyone out there has heard this message and you feel led to contact us, contact us uh, to receive uh, Jesus as your Lord and Savior, uh, just send write, us an email. Send us a twit. Send us an email. A send twit. us. <laughs> we're we're at uh, GodStoriesRadio at gmail dot com, and then also on Twitter is at GodStoriesRadio. And Facebook is God Stories Radio. So there's many ways, many, many ways to reach out to us. We've had a couple um, of people in the last week reach out to us, and we will respond right away. So mm -hmm. if you're moved, please contact us. We've had a couple people on Facebook, you know, finally commenting about certain sessions. Right. I saw that one today. About session 66, and yeah. I thanked him for posting. So that really encourages us. And it does. Let's just know we're on the right track. I think I saw it was very simple. Wow. Wow. Number yeah. 66. Exactly. And we can see that 
the program is downloaded, we can see the 44 countries, we can see how many downloads in each country and so forth. But we don't get the feedback from the listeners always, so it's it's, it's nice to throw us a bone every right, now and then. Right, it is. And we, as we've been saying right from the beginning, you know, after a few months we started to think, okay, you were getting all these people to download and listen to the things. You know, encourage us. You know, yes, we're trying to, our mission statement is, bringing hope, comfort, and encouragement through the power of the Christian testimony. Encourage us. to yeah, just been let us our know only that, agenda since right. we started is to encourage you. So, Thanks again, Pastor Vic, for coming out tonight. Thank you. Oh, man, it's my pleasure. We really, really appreciate it. We so. missed you. Absolutely. Yeah, missed we you love you, too. buddy. We love you, too. We love your brother, too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah if you're even listening, the, Johnny, we love you, buddy, even yes, though you didn't invite you me to the wedding. Oh, I knew you were going to say that. <laughs> I so kept my mouth shut. I choose not to be offended. There we saw go. that wedding band on Facebook. <laughs> we so did. We're going to. Bu- Congratulations. We bust him in love, though. Yeah. We bust him in love, and we'll be showing up at a Denny's near you. But anyway, <laughs> well, that about wraps it up for session 71. I'm Fritz. I'm Mike. And I'm Trish. God bless. God bless. Keep me in my time zone when my mind's gone and I'm flying home and I'm stressed out and I'm tempted to get that style phone and go pull it up. But you know what's up and you know that ain't gonna solve nothing. I mean, Lord forbid, I might fall or something and I'm all another cuss. So hold me down like bitch straps to the sight ward. It's killing me, but you still with me when I fight hard. And you digging me when I'm eating you. Deal with me when my car's pulled. Could've dealt with me, but you fell for me before I fell for you. Keep me on that right path and the right math is you plus nothing's everything, you my everything, same You ain't gotta question my allegiance Cause the way you love me, I can never leave I need you By my side, thick and thin Highs and lows, don't let go Did I fall in this? No condition that get a mention, but you offer this unconditional love. I swear I sell it all for this. Trying to keep it together, forget my awkwardness. But I'm um, off the miss, just you and me off in this. Valley of shadows, and I know they trying to pick me off in this, but all I need is you. It's funny just how off I get when I ain't riding with you. No adjectives for your awesomeness. Um, they burning one for that burnout. This life and got them all turned out. Took time out to put time in, so I turn to you when I want out. Need is you. You slow me down, cause you know me now. But my phony smile and I'm acting like it's all copacetic. It's so pathetic, so juvenile. Know what you do? You keep me cool in the summer when they be dressing less and I be wanting to show off the stunt. But there ain't nothing to want. You give me all that I need. All I need is you to keep that fire burning for me. All I need is you. By my side, thick and thin, highs and lows.